Let me tell you why you're here. You're here because you know something. What you know you can't explain, but you feel it. You felt it your entire life, that there's something wrong with the world. You don't know what it is, but it's there, like a splinter in your mind, driving you mad. It is this feeling that has brought you to me. Do you know what I'm talking about? The Matrix. Do you want to know what it is? The Matrix is everywhere. It is all around us. Even now in this very room. You can see it when you look out your window or when you turn on your television. You can feel it when you go to work. When you go to church. When you pay your taxes. It is the world that has been pulled over your eyes to blind you from the truth. What truth? That you are a slave, Neo. Like everyone else, you were born into bondage, born into a prison that you cannot smell or taste or touch. A prison for your mind. Unfortunately, no one can be told what the Matrix is. You have to see it for yourself. This is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. You take the blue pill, the story ends, you wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to believe. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Remember, all I'm offering is the truth. Wow, that's intense. So. I've watched that movie a bunch, uh, but evidently people have not, um, and they thought that Neo said, Patriots? <laughs> and they laughed last hour, like in the middle of this serious clip. I'm like, this is not supposed to be funny, but it was, it was funny because they're like, Patriots? No, it's the Matrix. That is a glimpse, that's a glimpse into my young adulthood there. Uh, fall of 99, I went to college um, in the middle of Cornfields, Illinois. Um, and my roommate had just bought a DVD player, right? And this was big because he bought like a, a high-quality Pioneer one for $250, um, and it still was crap. It would skip and do all kinds of stuff, but, but the deal is we had a DVD player. We had that movie. We watched it in our room on his 27-inch television. It was a Sony Trinitron, and it weighed about 300 pounds, I think, he had not two, but four massive speakers. This was a cell. There's no two ways about it. Concrete walls, concrete ceiling, tile floor, right? Ten feet wide, maybe eight feet tall, but not even 20 feet long, right? It's a cell. There's no two ways about it. And the lobby scene in that movie was epic, right? It blew our minds, and it shook the whole wall, like the whole 
hallway would shake because we had this in there. Uh, we didn't have it. He had it. I was his roommate. Um, but it was pretty epic. And, and the thing is, that has come to be a, like a, almost a cultural meme, right? The pill scene. The red pill or the blue pill. What's it going to be? And uh, I hear there's a fourth movie coming out. I don't know, in this, this trilogy. So we'll have to wait and see. But, but Neo, if he had not chosen these, one of these pills, um, he would still be in the Matrix, right? The one, the one who was chosen to confront the Matrix would stay in the Matrix. Like nothing would change. We'd all still just be batteries in the system. And I'm sorry if you haven't seen it. It's been out for 20 years, all right? But we would all just be parts of the system. And I think this is a concept that we can kind of chew on today, that you and I have a choice. We have a choice to make as to whether or not we want to follow Jesus and we want to be connected to him. And it's not as easy as NyQuil or DayQuil. Because that's what that looked like, right? right? Advil liquid gels. Uh, it'll take you out of the matrix. So it's not that easy, right? It really isn't that easy. And our lives aren't made up of a moment, a decision. And I can't speak for you, but I don't have a single moment in the morning when my head pops off the pillow, my eyes are open, and I think, today, today's Jesus. Today I'm going to do it, and, and I'm going to love everybody, and they're going to love me, right? And uh, I'm going just to be rocking the fruit of the Spirit and good to everybody, and uh, I'm not going to get angry, I'm not going to yell at anybody, and... Uh, I'm going to stop at two pieces of pizza when I want four, even though I'm full, right? And, uh, and I'm not going to speed. <laughs> I live in New England. You get killed if you don't. Um, but I'm speaking a little bit in hyperbole, right? You can have more than two pieces of pizza. It's okay, right? It is. That was supposed to be funny. Um, <laughs> but for Neo in that, that movie, he's got a moment, right? He's got a moment where he goes from being unaware of the matrix to then being aware of the matrix. His eyes are open. He realizes something, something else is happening. Right? And then he goes from being aware of the matrix to making a decision. What's it going to be? In or out? What you want? He chooses to get out. And then he fights this colossal battle that takes three, now I guess four movies, and he's aware, and he works inside and outside of the matrix uh, in order to accomplish the plot line of the movie. But the thing is, your life and my life is made up of a lot more decisions, and we can't condense what we do into 90 to 180 minutes. Right? It's, what we experience is bigger and greater than that. It's a million little decisions that all just kind of seem to speed past our faces and past our lives. Right? That's, that's what life actually looks like. And just sitting here for like five minutes, you've already, it's going past your face. Like, oh, what temperature is it in the room? Right? Oh, what are these people sitting around me? What am I going to have for lunch? What do I got to get done this afternoon? Right? That's how decisions in our life happen, really. But the point I want to make is that in the midst of all of our crazy lives, that we still have a decision. And we still have an opportunity to choose or not to choose Jesus. And not making a decision is making a decision. Right? You can't just say, Meh, I don't know, Jesus, whatever. Because that's a decision. And so when everything else is taken away, right, when your job and your home 
in your pastimes, in the cars you drive, when everything else is taken away, what is the truest part of your being? What is the truest part of your being? What have you chosen for your life? And you're probably thinking, man, Ben was gone, and I thought we were going to get a mulligan. Like, I thought he was just going to be milk toast and easy and 20 ways to be more like Jesus in 2020. All right? this, is, this is not easy stuff, right? This is not easy stuff. Um, in fact, you probably ate two pieces of pumpkin pie before you came this morning, and you're like, it's right, it's there, and this is all too soon. This is, I'm not ready for this, no. Right? Don't talk to me about life decisions right now. But I think that, uh, that what's, you know, following Jesus looks less like perfection. I think it looks more like friendship. I think Ben does a pretty good job of this because he's wrestled with Jesus. And he's wrestled with faith and how the world does not clearly operate in perfection. And he's trying, message by message, to demystify religion and demystify the church so that we understand that it's not a list of things that we do, right? It's not some level of perfection. What he's trying to tell us, Jesus, in this, this passage is, I just need you to abide. Just abide. Just be with me. All right, let's, let's pray together. God, in this moment, we come in from very busy lives. We came from things, we're going back to things. And I pray for just a moment that we can just abide with you. And be quiet and, and once again choose you. God, thank you for these people in this room who have made it part of their day um, to be with other people who are following you and, and choosing you once again. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. And we're going to be in John chapter 15. Uh, we're going to be reading verses 1 through 4. If you've got it on your phone, you're welcome to pull it out. There's some, there's some um, Bibles that are floating around there in front of you probably, but I love the YouVersion app. It's the Bible that's always on me. So we do support healthy technology use at RCC, and you're welcome to do that. Uh, but following Jesus is not as easy as a red or a blue pill, right? It's, it's more of a process. Um, and a lot of times, we don't, we don't really um, think about relationship. We don't think about the fact that um, a friend is not someone you contact every six months, right? That's an acquaintance. So what Jesus is calling to is something that's more active. It's a relationship, right? And um, to kind of illustrate this, you know, I think I can share a little bit of a story with you. Um, I, I really thought through this word abide and what it meant and and, and when I went to college, now 20 years ago, um, I was a preaching major, because my, my mom and dad have been in ministry my whole life, they, they attend here now, my dad's preached my whole life, and, and I thought, preaching, hey, let's do it, why not? So I got there, and two and a half years into it, I had taken extra Bible classes and theology classes and a year and a half of Greek, it still is Greek to me, um, <laughs> And I was taught how to use these really massive books that hold doors open when you're trying to keep them open. And I dusted off a couple of those books. I took them off the top shelf, and I opened them up, and I looked in the original language. And remain means remain. That's what it means. The, 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 the massive books that give me all the answers said, hey, remain means remain. And I'm like, okay. That goes 40 minutes of my life. Um, but I think... 
to give a slight caveat of this, this somewhat humorous situation that I spent all these you know, thousands of dollars to, to come up with remain means remain, is that in the study, John uses this same word 14 times throughout his, his book, right? As he follows Jesus and tells the story of Jesus, he uses this little, this little Greek word 14 times, and three times in this one passage. He uses this word, remain, otherwise translated abide. So let's look through this verse. This is um, John 15, 1 through 4, and, and just read these words together. Um, they'll be on the screen there. You're welcome to follow along. John 15, 1 through 4. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. So remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. And Jesus, in this passage, is brilliant, as you would hope the creator of the universe is, right? And he reads his audience. He knows who he's talking to. He's talking to first century Palestinians who are highly agrarian. That just means they're farmers, right? That they understand planting. They understand harvesting. They understand keeping sheep and goats and cattle. And so he uses things that connect with their life so that they can understand this a little bit differently. And he uses this verse, uh, this idea of a vine, right? He starts right off there in verse 1. And he says, that vine cannot produce unless it's connected. The, a branch cannot produce unless it's connected to the vine. And we know this to be true today, right? It's just the same in 2020 as it was in the first century. If you get a rose uh, that someone gives you, it looks beautiful, it smells amazing, but it's not going to be too long before that thing is dead and wilted, right? If, if a storm comes through the yard and it blows a branch off of your tree, that that branch is going to wither and die. The, whatever leaves are on it are going to fall off. This idea of connection, that, that there's a connection, is really connected to us today. Like, we understand this, right? Because what do you do when your phone dies? Probably go crazy, right? right? What, we understand connection because when that battery is at 2%, we're like, no! I need to find a charger, and I need to find it now. Because right, our brain goes haywire. And the thing is, there's something to connection, right? There's something built into us that wants connection. And this is what Jesus is driving at in this passage. This is what he's saying. It's like this connection is what makes us productive and fruitful, right? But beyond that, he goes into this, and I think this is one of kind of three things that he has to say, because it's a sermon, and we have three points. That's what sermons do. The first thing I think he says is, pruning isn't the worst thing that you're going to go through. Right? Pruning isn't the worst thing that you're going to go through. Right? He starts with, if you're not going to pursue me, if you don't want to be connected to me, that's fine, but I'm going to cut you off. I'm going to cut you, the father, the gardener is going to cut you off and, and you won't be part of the vine. But then he says, on the second half of that, he says that, that those that are producing will be pruned, right? And pruning hurts, everybody. Pruning hurts. And I think 
we all have things that God wants to prune out of our lives. And just to use an example, I, I grew up in a really traditional church, small church in, in rural um, central Illinois. We had way more corn than there were people. And, um, and I grew up dressing up every Sunday and singing hymns, and I love that. Uh, and I went to college, and then I experienced contemporary worship, which is really what we do here. And I would never have guessed that I would be leading songs like this uh, because I was so set in my ways that I thought that this somehow was less than what I had experienced growing up. And it really took God pulling me out of ministry when I went to grad school and, and putting me in a position as a, a grad assistant and experiencing from my friend Benji what, Benji what contemporary worship looks like that was able to move me. And, and God needed to prune me. And it, it didn't feel good to be out of ministry but I needed to just go to church and not be at a church uh, for a little while. And I think God has things in all of our lives that, that He wants to prune out of our lives. And I don't know what that is for you. It changes for me. Sometimes, you know, every year there's new things that I think God wants to take from us because He knows that we can be more productive, more connected, that we can choose Him even more deeply. And so I would encourage you to, to think about that today. I mean, is it technology? Is it work? What is it in your life that is keeping you from abiding with God? Don't be afraid of pruning. Lean into pruning. Because what happens on the other side, Jesus says, is that, in the second part of that verse, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruit. Right? What happens on the backside of pruning means that it's a stronger plant that we get to produce more, that we get to be Jesus even more deeply. So lean into pruning. Now I think the second thing Jesus is trying to say is it's okay to be in the already, but not yet. It's okay to be in the already and not yet. And that's it's a, a theological concept I won't go very deeply in, but it's the idea that we just celebrated Christmas, right? Jesus coming to earth. That Jesus came, he lived among us, and in, I hate to say this, but a few weeks, we'll practice, you know, we'll, we'll celebrate Easter because it's going to be here tomorrow. But we celebrate Jesus came, he lived, he died, he resurrected, and then he went to heaven to send his Holy Spirit to live among us, right? That's the good news. And that anyone who chooses him, he lives in. So he's already conquered sin on the cross. He's already done the work of salvation. But the world's messy, right? There's still illness. We still have loved ones that have left us earlier than we wanted. We still wrestle with the fact that things aren't the way they were supposed to be, right? the way that they had been designed. And that's okay. It's okay to be in the already, knowing that we have been washed and forgiven, and the not yet. And in the middle of all this, Already but not yet, Jesus says there in, in verse 3, You are already clean because the word I have spoken to you. And my gut wants to say, really, Jesus? Like, have you seen the way I behave some days? Right? How short I am with people, the way I drive on occasion, you know, the way that I interact with people I, I love deeply, you know. 
really, Jesus, I'm already clean? After choosing you, after going to Bible college, after being in ministry for 15 years, I'm still a mess some days, right? I'm still a mess some days. And we think it's on us. But Paul, another one of Jesus' followers, who has planted a whole lot of churches, wrote to the church in Romans this, Romans 5, 1 and 2. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. So me being clean and, and you being clean, Paul's saying there isn't, isn't dependent on you. It's not dependent on you and what you do. It's on Jesus, right? It's just on us to abide with Him. It's on us to choose Him. And that's not easy for us in 20th, you know, 21st century America because what does it look like to be successful today? You work hard, right? You strive hard. You, you put up the top numbers at work so that you get a promotion and a raise. You practice extra hours so that you can be the best on your team and, and get a scholarship to get into college or get into that professional team. That's, that's what success is in our brains and in our hearts in 21st century America, that we work to get there. And, and what Jesus says is, no, 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 that's, that's not how this thing works. That's not how this things work. There's no checklist. What I've allowed myself to believe for decades is that um, if I'm good enough, that, that Jesus will be like, okay, yeah, all right, I'll take you. But to my striving, he says, you're already clean, right? And to my failures, and to your failures, he's like, you're already clean. Now, to my second-guessing myself, my insecurity, he says, you're already clean. Because you've heard what I've said, and you've believed it. Now, you've chosen me. To sit in that for a minute... You're already clean. Kind of let it sink down into your spirit a little bit. So stop worrying. Right? Stop striving. Stop pushing to mark off all of the boxes on your imaginary scorecard so that God might love you. That's not, that's not the way that it is. If you're sitting in the room and you're thinking, I never chose, I never chose Jesus. Like, I never crossed that line. I never said those words. I'm glad you're here. I'm really glad that something or someone in your life has intrigued you enough or, or moved you to a place where you're willing to contemplate that there's Again, maybe, maybe something bigger happening, almost like the matrix. There's something bigger than what you understand currently. And, and if you're interested in talking about that, we'd love to connect to you. You can, you can come up here after the gathering and, and grab me and talk to me. Or if you want to go on to our app, if you're online right now watching us, we'd love if you would hit that connect card and, and just say, hey, yeah, I do, I do want to connect with you. i got some questions that I'd like to talk to someone about. We're just glad that you're here. We're really glad that you're here. Because I think Jesus is the best thing you can choose.
I truly believe Jesus is the best thing you can choose to do with your life. And I think the final thing, the third thing that, that Jesus is trying to communicate to us in this scripture, the thing he's trying to move us through is that if you remain in Jesus, that he'll help us be more like Jesus. And I think that's what he's trying to say is, if you abide, if you move in this direction, he will help you be more like him. The fancy church word is sanctification. It's, it's the process of God pruning and moving you towards the person of Jesus Christ. Right, verse 4, uh, we see there, um, Jesus says, Remain in me, and I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. And that's a whole lot of remaining, right? This, again, uses that word three times in this passage. And I know I joked earlier that the word remain means remain, right? Because it, it does. But there's a nuance. There's a nuance to this word that it, it's kind of like being in the sphere of Jesus Christ. Like being um, kind of all wrapped into being in connection with Jesus Christ. And kind of think about that, it's, it's almost like I can say that you're in the Northern Hemisphere. Like, you're abiding in the Northern Hemisphere. You don't ever think about it, probably, unless you're, a geograph- you know, you're in geography or you're traveling outside of the Northern Hemisphere. But the Northern Hemisphere is all around us right now, right? We are in it. There's no two ways about that. We can be so surrounded, we can choose to abide in Jesus so that He is part of every piece of our life. Doesn't mean we're perfect, doesn't mean that everything's going to look great all the time, but it does mean that we are plugged into Him and we know that. And I'm going to be transparent, like I don't unplug well, right? To make room for Jesus, I don't unplug well. And I think it's kind of a chronic issue with our society, probably. But when I sit in my living room, and I don't have the TV on, and I don't have a phone or an iPad in my hands, and it's quiet, it can be excruciating. I think you can identify with this. Like when your phone dies, and you're like, what am I going to do? i got to look at people. I don't know what to do with my hands. I got to say words to people, like, like a conversation or something, right? But when you're home and you're quiet, or wherever that place is for you, the library, whatever, like what does that look like to abide with Jesus? And I think this is something that our civilization struggles with because a handful of decades ago, this wasn't an issue. Right? The sun went down, everyone went to bed. As sun came up, we got up and we went to work. Like that's, that's just how it worked. But now you can stay up till 2.30 in the morning watching Maury and be on your phone. Yeah, somebody watches Maury. So abiding is not easy. I, I, would not, I would not say it is. I don't think it's ever been easy. I mean, there's always been distractions. But we live in a society where kind of remaining abiding can be really hard. It can be really hard. And, um, and just because we do Jesus things, like, 
Like, I sit down, and I plan a worship service, and we get slides together, and, and we have a really great rehearsal, and hopefully you have a great experience here in, in worship, and you get to experience Jesus, right? But it's easy to say those things are abiding. It's easy to say those things are abiding, and that's a relationship. No, that's my job, and it's a job I love, but that's not abiding, right? And for all of us, abiding is hard because we could just sit here for an hour on Sunday morning and not think about Jesus until next Sunday morning. I'm as susceptible as anyone, right? So it's an active, it's a choice, right? It's NyQuil or DayQuil, which is going to be? Are you going to choose Jesus? Are you going to abide with Jesus? But he promises something, right? In verse 4 there we see, Uh, Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. So he has this admonition, right? Like the whole thing is saying, this is how I want to be close to you. But when you choose to take a step towards me, when you want to abide with me, I'm going to abide with you. That's my promise, right? It's, it's an active thing. I will be with you. And the end result of that is your life is bigger, right? Your life is bigger than it would be. And how we interact with people and the way that we're able to abide more fully. Right? And maybe, maybe through all of this, it, you know, you're a little shook, like, that's it? Like, that's it. Like, just turn stuff off and be with him. Really? Yeah, really. Like, don't be afraid of this, right? I'll encourage you again. Don't be afraid to be pruned. I don't know what it is in your life. Maybe there's a moment this morning during communion or something that you can lean in and say, God, what is it in my life that you want to take out so that I could be better connected to you? Or maybe you want to be kind of in that second statement what does it mean just to be in you and to be okay with being clean even though everything else is messy around me? And then maybe, maybe for you, it's, God, I just need to take a step in your direction. I just want to be with you. Can, can that happen, God? So we are going to abide for a moment. Right? We're going to be awkward together. It's okay because we got a lot of people in here to be awkward with. That's all right. So we're going to pray, and the team's going to come out and lead us in a song, and we're just going to be silent for just, just a little bit. And if it's awkward, great. Lean into the awkward. It's okay. Let's pray together. Lord God, we, we walked into this room not knowing what to expect. We stand between two massive holidays. Uh, one of remembrance and, and one of looking towards the future. So God, we know that there's so much busyness and, and mess all around us that could keep us from looking toward you and, and abiding in you. So I pray that right now we just take a few moments to be silent before you um, as Elijah in the whisper and the wind as you came to him, that we can just be still for a moment.
God, I pray for those in this room that they would have an opportunity like this during their week, that they would take the opportunity to, whatever it is, put some distractions aside, be quiet, even if it's just for 30 seconds, just to hear you, to abide with you, to sit in your goodness. God, we trust you implicitly, I, th I think, I hope, um, even if we're not that far along on our journey with you, might we see some progress in your direction, a little f deeper faith. God, we thank you and we pray in all things. In Jesus' name, amen.